Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Babe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and today I am joined once again by my holy trinity, Mr. Jesse Baker, Mr. Wex, breaking the loss. And boys, how are we living today? Doing good, doing great. How are you? I am. Uh, I'm. I'm alive and well. I'm alive and well. I'm breathing. It's a. Um, it's a. It's a beautiful day here in a uh, soggy Mount Juliet. Um, Wex, how you living, bud? Oh, I'm hanging in there. It is very wet. Uh, my computer's being stupid. Uh, no, remind me tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully this uh, doesn't fuck up my recording. But my screen has this big old fucking blue thing in front of it right now. But we can still talk for <laughs> on as long as it doesn't cut me off. Uh, so I'm into it. I'm into it. And today is going to be quite the hodgepodge of the show. We're wrapping up our SummerSlam season. And we're also tackling a show from 1996. It's ECW Natural Born Killers from 1996. Which, what is that? Like just a VHS? Is that essentially what it was? I think it's just one of their super shows. You know, uh, they had these things that weren't quite pay-per-views yet. Like their first proper pay-per-view wasn't until Barely Legal in 97. So these were just larger scale shows that were kind of like feud payoffs and things along those lines. Yeah. So we had that against WWF's SummerSlam from 1991. 25 year comparison on that one. That is a uh, man, such a blast from the past. All the nostalgia feels for me. I was like six years old when this thing came out. So like kid, the kid world of pro wrestling was. Um, very fresh in my in my in my mind. Um, I'm pretty excited about that. I was sure. six months old. Nice, nice. That's all. Little baby, good. little baby Wex over there. My son was only you know six months old. It's just uh, it's been such a long time. Anyway, let's get into it, boys. Uh, the first show we're gonna cover here is ECW's Natural Born Killers. There's no build. There's no opening package. Just kind of straight into a heat promo from. Damian Payne, if I said that correctly. I'm not sure who that is or was or uh Yeah, uh Jesse, what can you tell me about this situation, this setup? So Damian Kane, as in Glenn Jacobs, um, he was uh, one of the staples of Eastern Championship Wrestling and Extreme Championship Wrestling. He is accompanied by his real life wife, Lady Alexandria, or Alexandra, or however the fuck you say it, looking yeah. like Xena in this motherfucker. Um, crowd was hot coming in. There were obviously production difficulties from the original show, which I believe is why when you see it on Peacock, it just jumps straight the fuck in. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Damian Kane was just kind of one of the staples that was a little bit more, uh, focused on being on the mic than he was in the ring, I think. And as we see, he's accompanied Devin Storm to the ring here, who we would grow to know later on down the line as WCW's Crowbar. WCW's Crowbar. That's right. That's right. All right. So, yeah, Damian Payne uh, was actually a, a local wrestler in Nashville who became John Wayne Murdoch deathmatch wrestler. That's probably where you're thinking of that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. That is he what used I'm to wrestle back back in you know the maybe probably around when you wrestled honestly a little bit after that for sure. That's probably true. I feel like that sounds that sounds right. He used to wrestle at the stadium in. That's all I'm saying. He's well, also got an ICP tattoo for sure. I can definitely tell you that uh, this felt like stadium in this first match here. It's Devin Storm versus Luis Piccoli. Uh, there's kind of a Taz promo for no reason in the back before the match starts. No, that's really the commentary booth. He's in the commentary booth taking the camera. They explain oh, that later because gotcha. I was confused. Gotcha. I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. 
anyway, uh, the match itself was a quick little back and forth. It wasn't really a bad match. It was really more about getting Spicoli and Damien into like an angle, clearly, or some kind of payoff for the for the fans or something. Either way, I don't know. The the Halo teabag style thing at the end has definitely got got the full solid beer for me. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Louis Piccoli with the with the solid teabag. Um, so I gave this thing a beer and a half. Uh, it wasn't too much for me. Just wasn't uh, wasn't really into this one at all. Jesse, what do you think about Devin Storm versus Louis Piccoli here? I gave it two and a half beers, man. I mean, I, I got to say, you know, it wasn't a bad open. I'm not even sure if this was the original opening match on the actual card. It's just the first thing we see on this broadcast. But I felt like there was a decent amount of little legwork and some things that were a little bit more akin to a regular old wrestling match. Uh, Storm, at one point, fucking hardcore chucks a chair right at Louie's head on the outside. It's pretty yeah. much just like throws that shit straight at him, which is kind of nuts. And uh, every time I see a Spicoli driver, I pop. So I gave it two and a half years. Yeah, it was good to see. Spicoli looked good. Uh, I mean, he's definitely had tons of charisma. Sad that we got it cut short there on that one. Wex, what do you think about Devin Storm versus Louis Spicoli here? Actually, yeah, I really enjoyed this match. They were doing some shit that I thought was kind of innovative for like 1996. Some of the shit Storm was doing. Some of his top rope shit. And like Jesse said, that Spicoli driver is always sick. And I love like his charisma, it's like, I don't know, he has good charisma, it's like a cheesy, funny charisma. Like when he's yeah. doing his little thing and then the teabag, like I popped for the teabag. That's why I gave it three beers. Wow, guys. That, te- wow. that teabag popped it on up. Three beers, my goodness. But I like the Spicoli driver, and that was before it was officially even called a Spicoli driver or a Death Valley driver. They were calling it the Fireman's Buster. I thought yeah. that was weird as shit. Yeah, yeah. me too. I yeah, guess this was, was like the early, strange. before they gave it a full name yet, you know? And it was still a new move. Still a new move. That's nice. It's nice to see innovation here in 1996. Speaking of innovation, let's just keep it rolling here. Match number two is Little Guido versus Mikey Whipwreck. And the match was pretty good. I enjoyed the tempo and the pacing of it. Uh, there wasn't very much feeding. And there was actually pretty solid selling, which is not normal for an ECW show, to be completely honest. Um, the crowd was pretty hot for it. Uh, Mikey ate shit on that dive into Big Guido. That oh was, my God. was a massive botch for sure. Mikey missing the splash was also absolutely hilarious to me. Um, it was a good little match and a decent finish. I was right in the middle on it. Three solid beers for me for Little Guido versus Mikey Whipwreck. Wex, I'll just swing it back to you, man. What do you think about this one? Hey, I, I'm right there with you, bud. Three beers. It was right in the middle. It was a pretty solid match. Nothing like just amazing, but it was pretty solid stuff right there. I enjoyed, you know, Mikey Whipwreck. He's always sick. I love seeing him do his stuff. It looks like he like kind of got hurt like midway through the match, but kept going. Yeah. Yeah. It did seem like he was fighting through it. Uh, Jesse, what do you think about this Guido Whipwreck thing? Fucking Holy Trinity does it again, boys. Three dead in the middle. Yeah. Um, the the lineup of the FBI here was something that I couldn't stop giggling yeah. over. Like yeah. Big Guido and Uncle Sal and JT and yeah. I just absolutely loved it. That fucking that attempted a Rana, I guess, to the outside is what Mikey yeah. was going for and just hit the back of Big Guido's head with his ass. Like I mean, <laughs> sent him asshole over tea kettle, like fucking looking like Giant Gonzalez spilling over into the barricade into the crowd or whatever. I mean, it was but uh the rocker dropper definitely popped for. Um yeah. there, there was a lot of really solid actual wrestling. In yeah. this match, which yeah. I thought was cool. And um, even the slip-ups just kind of made it look a little bit realistic. So, yeah, I liked it. I was right in the middle. Right in the middle. Man, uh, let's get to probably one of the more shocking moments of the show. It's, uh, it's a Devon Dudley promo out here just dropping F-bombs. And, dude, the promo does not go over well, of course. But 
Dude, I mean, come on. Devin with when, like when the double F bombs. We don't mean the four letter F bombs. Oh, no. Oh, it was it was brutal. I cannot possibly believe that they're, they're editing Diversity Day by the office on Peacock, but they're not. This is just allowed to be there. Like, it's kind of crazy to me. It's because um, the office is a NBC owned property and this is just some random shit on there. Eh, well, you know, they edited Booker T's promo from WCW show as well and took that shit out. They took out Roddy's thing in WrestleMania. I think this just got overlooked. It yeah. had to have, because Booker T's promo, there's nothing actually offensive about it. It's just funny, but this is, that, that's what he said was pretty offensive. That was yeah. just a Booker T slip up and it was funny. Yeah, but yeah. this was, he straight up called the man a sexual slur right to his face. But for the, t- I will say for the time, that was heat. That, that oh, was dude, heat. it was. I mean, it's heat. It did I mean, it's now heat it's, today. Now it's God. not the right. Now it's, it's not atomic. the right type of heat. But yeah. uh, <laughs> God, that's some nuclear heat right there. Can you uh, imagine if we never saw the Dudley Boys in the WWF because of this? Because if it happened this day and age, there's no fucking chance. Oh, canceled, bro. Canceled. Yeah. Like no one's booking them forever. We uh, didn't have we didn't have the internet like it was today back in fucking '96 or. That not I don't think that would have been the case, even if they had even if it was like that ninety six was a different environment. Yeah, there's also a much thicker skin um in ninety six than there is now too, just by society as a whole. But that's neither here nor there. Let's keep on moving to the actual match here. It's Devon Dudley and Axel Rotten versus Bubba Ray and Big Dick Dudley. Um I mean, I will say this is the first match that I felt had like actual heat. Like <laughs> crowd liked the other matches but i felt like this one was like the first match that had like a real angle going um but that being said i, th- I thought it was awful uh, i didn't like it at all i thought it was just like a straight up brawl some of those chair shots were painful to watch and i mean especially like the no sold chair shots was just like i don't know i can't i don't know it just it's just not for me i, I get why people liked it it was short though and the crowd loved it so i'll, I'll give it i gave it two beers just for that um but yeah, I didn't think that the entering action or lack thereof was very good at all. Uh, Jesse, what do you think about Devon and Axel versus Bubba Ray and Big Dick here? I want to know who the fuck let Axel Rotten do his fucking hair that way. Jeez. What the fuck was going on with that business? Like he looked like I like Scott Hall on a fucking bender or something. I don't know. It was really strange. But uh, or I guess just Scott Hall. You could just say it that way. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. God damn it. There were there were a ton of people dressed like Bubba Ray in the crowd, and to see Bubba over as a face in this era when he and Devon weren't really teaming yet, kind of took me by surprise. It was something that I, I was just enjoying the vibe of that a little bit because it's just so you're just not used to seeing it, you know. Yeah. Um, there was Bubba Ray had a sick dive at one point. There were I mean I don't know there were just a handful of things in the match that I did like. The crowd was pretty into having the action up close and personal. Yeah, I I gave it three and a half, but. The thing is, like, the more you watch the show, I almost wanted to go back and subtract because it's all like, – every fucking match has spots in the crowd. And it got yes. to a point where it was making me very tired of watching the show. But I will yes. say, like, everybody was teaming. The entire crowd was excited to, for the duration of this whole thing. And the match kind of sucked or whatever. But, dude, you can't argue with that response. No, for sure. For sure. I gave it two beers just for the response because I thought the actual – I mean, it was really hard for me to get through it. Um, Wex, what do you think about this one, man? I'm somewhere in between you two. I went 2.75 beers. I mean, really, the promo of pre-match is what really kind of set it off and kind of gave you, like, 
This is going to be a little bit intense. But, yeah, it was just a bunch of brawling in the crowd, nothing special. Every single fan was trying to hand him a fucking chair, which continued yeah. throughout the night. And just like yeah. Jesse said, more brawling throughout the crowd continued throughout the night. And, I mean, some of those chair shots were stiff, but Bubba Ray's crutch shots were super weak. When he was hitting Devon with the crutch, I was just like, the fuck like it lo- It just looks so bad compared to everything else they were doing all this gnarly shit and he just yeah. these weak crutch shots and like normally if someone has a crutch they'll hit it like one good time it'll like bend on them and that's it and he like took like one two three and i'm like god damn it get the fuck out of here but yeah 2.75 beers weak crutch hits and uh the disappointment is going to continue here through the next match i'll go ahead and tell you yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's totally true. Um, there's actually, actually, and there's like another terrible transition. I'm okay. Look, I don't, I don't think this is all the same show. I don't think that this is a card. I think that this is a compilation, like VHS style thing. But like, it's, they used to do that a lot. Yeah, the crowd. The like, I don't think that this. So is many of the same people show. show up to all the shows. It looks. It could possibly be the same show or a different show because it could but i'm almost positive it was two different shows or three different or three or it was just a compilation of different shows but so that's ne- neither here nor there next we up got- is the promo with missy hyatt and sandman yes yeah well we got joel gertner in there doing his promo spick um but then there's you know sandman beats him with a cane i guess that was kind of good because it wasn't a match and like i didn't have to watch sandman in a match and so that and was we got nice to see big and big stevie cool stevie richards dropped the lawsuit sexual harassment lawsuit which i'm thinking about like think about that storyline today like a joke sexual harassment lawsuit like would not be be like no that's that's not cool but like in 96 everybody's just like yeah and they're like and even the commentary is like yeah what a joke you know yeah but they you know she denounces sandman makes fun of his penis and then he straight up cracks her in the back of the head with the kendo stick which i pop for yeah, that's everyone that was, the crowd yeah. popped for it. Of course, that's a, a whole nother thing you wouldn't see in this day and age. No, yeah. this this whole honestly, like anything that what I mean, the entire show. I was about to say yeah, like anything Joel that wasn't Gertner in the ring. But I'll say with with none of this, none of this, none of the, none of the hey, matches. Max Caster from the acclaimed would fit right into each. Oh, he would. He totally would. And I love I love it for him too, man. I love I love his nuclear heat. I know that he's like people are very cancel culture with that dude, but I think I it's mean, great. It was just I think it was the rape joke that did it. Everything else was okay, but the lacrosse rape joke I think is what really got people. Yeah, it I mean, it is what it is, but comedy is comedy. Uh let's keep it moving here. It's prime time Brian Lee versus Bam Bam Terry Gordy in a no rules bad street match. But it's ECW, and there's not really any rules in ECW matches to begin with, so it felt a little weird. Um, Brian Lee was kind of known as a lazy worker for the most part, and it kind of felt that way here. Um, like, there's no one really leading the match at all. Like, there's no actual leader. It's like they both looked like they were just waiting for the other guy to take the lead, and it just sucked. It wasn't good. Um, the finish sucked. It, it just it, The whole match was awful. Um, I gave it a, a half a beer. Just because there was some solid meat slapping in there a little bit, but that's pretty much it. Half a beer for me, Jesse. Where you at on primetime Brian Lee versus Bam Bam Terry Gordy? I gave it a beer for the finish. I actually thought the finish was inventive because um, obviously it is a submission maneuver, but he used it as a pinfall maneuver. And yeah, I don't know. To me, that was at least a little bit different. Again, we're in the crowd pretty much the whole fucking time. I did think yeah. Terry Gordy looked pretty good here for like where he's at in his career and stuff. And just a couple of weeks after this, he would go and work that horrible angle that he did in WWF where he was the executioner. 
And yeah. uh, it's literally like within the month. Oh, so kind of kind of wacky. And then Brian Lee later on in the fall would go and join the fucking DOA or whatever. And yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's wacky to see how much of this talent sharing really was going on in 1996 with WWF. Knowing what we know now, it's not as surprising, but it is kind of, you know, it, it's interesting. It's to shocking look at, that yeah. we didn't know that they were collaborating. When oh, yeah. They were. That's that's shocking. Yeah. Well, I was a whole five years old, so I didn't know. I thought it was still real at that point. My goodness. My goodness. Uh, Wax, what do you think about this actual match? man? Uh, the match here itself, like you guys just said, was pretty shitty. I was expecting it to be better. And one thing I got to ask both you guys. Do you think the Bad Street USA was used in the original broadcast or the original VHS? Because he he came to the ring to Bad no. Street USA. No, definitely did not. And when I heard it, I was just like, I was like, there's no way. What? It just I don't know. I, he, probably, he probably did. ECW used fucking Alice in Chains and Pantera and shit. Left yeah, and he right. definitely. I bet you. I bet you that's probably like one of the only instances. It's like, oh, we actually happen to own the rights to that song. Let's leave it in there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that could have worked, but dude. The match did kind of suck. I, I gave it two beers just for Terry Gordy. Terry. Just for Terry Gordy alone, I gave him two beers because I knew – and I was it a little bit of foreshadowing because when we get to the main event, we see basically his gimmick on the outside of the ring. Oh, yeah. The, execu- the, the executioner mask, guys. So it's like was it a little bit of foreshadowing? We're going to have a shitty match. Jeez. Lead you into this shitty gimmick. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. (laughs) Not good. Uh, I will say though that like this next match is like the bright spot of the show to me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was better than I expected it to be. It's Doug Furness versus RVD. And it just kind of starts too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The transitions were rough for sure. Um, But yeah, I mean, this match was super good, bell to bell, and the crowd is super hot for it. Uh, the brawl, even the ball brawl into the crowd looked good too. It's almost makes like the made the way they shot it felt more involving. Um, but I, I don't know. It did definitely was happening in every single match with the you know guys that are brawling out into the crowd. The press slam botch off the back of the bleachers was almost deadly on uh, RVD. That was like super scary for sure. Um, but yeah, man, it's an innovative match, especially for '96. Definitely match of the night on this card, in my opinion. Uh, the finish could have been better, but I did like it a lot. And the post-match was a little meh to me. The post-match was a little too much, but uh, I get why you did it to set up the angle and everything. I went three and three-quarter beers, uh, so damn near four beers on this one. Pretty solid match. Jesse, what do you think about Doug Furness versus RVD here? I wish they had left out the crowd part, but, I mean, dude, I love this fucking match. You can see RVD yeah. star yeah. rising, and he just, from the jump, he looks so unique comparatively to anybody else in the industry at this time. I mean, it was just, you know, you have cruiserweights that are starting to rise up in WCW a little bit. You had basically no fucking talent outside of the main event in WWF at the time. I mean, they yeah. were working on building Austin right now and Goldust and people right. that would eventually wind up being great to watch. But, I mean, it they wasn't there yet. So seeing this was a big breath of fresh air to me. Doug Furness, yet again, another one that we would see literally before the end of 1996 in WWF alongside his partner, Phil LaFon, otherwise known as Dan Croppett, uh, coming over from all Japan to WWF's very dismal tag team division in 1996 to feud with the fucking body Donnas and shit, because that makes sense. But this match itself, there was a springboard back kick that uh, when he not RVD knocked Furness off of the ropes and Furness lands directly on top of his head. 
that I really thought they were both legitimately hurt during that time, and it yeah. kind of scared me. But for the most part, I thought the work was fucking great. The crowd is super into this whole thing. Yeah. RBD getting shot off of the apron into the crowd with no warning looked dangerous as fuck. Like when he gets like shoulder blocked yeah. off the apron and just flies into the fucking third yeah. row. Yeah. That shit was gnarly. That was yeah. insane. Yeah. Uh, I gave it five and a half beers, dude. I wow. really loved it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought it was fucking outstanding. I also watched this show second. So I'd already sat through all of SummerSlam 1991. Me too. Me too. And then this card already. And so by now I was like, oh, I was like thirsty for something like this. So maybe a little generous, but I mean, that is my true honest rating. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm, I mean, I'm not mad at that. I mean, I'd, 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 I'm pretty happy with my four beer, but dang, five and a half. It's pretty solid. Uh, Wex, what do you think about Doug Furness versus RVD here? My father, we have the exact same rating. Love it. Four beers. And honestly, the only reason I gave, I could have gave it five beers. I thought it went a little long. It kind of drug on for a minute there for me. But, dude, it was definitely at the point, at that point, match of the night for sure. RVD, the Van Daminator wasn't even called the Van Daminator yet. Yeah. And he won with it, which I thought was really sick. I mean, young RVD is not RVD yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is young RVD. His gear, he's still, his gear's not quite all the way there yet. It's not airbrushed yet, yeah. Yeah, it's like he's got some weird shit going on. Uh, but he, you could tell he was like totally develop, developing into the RVD that we all know. Yes, yeah. But great match, like, like I said, one of the best of the night. But that was such a weird transition. It's like the Terry Gordy, uh, Brian Lee thing ended, and it just like, boom, we're into the, we're, we're like into the match, and I was like, all right. And Joey, I, I, I again commend Joey Styles for solo in this whole thing, and it was fucking pretty solid. Yeah, for sure. That's my favorite part about this show, probably, is Joey through just throughout. He's oh yeah, I forgot one thing. I forgot to mention back in that Dudley Boys match, he said "big dick pounding Axel," and I thought, "Hey, yeah, wow. hey Joey, I, I I like that Joey." And the oh my god. Yeah, yeah, he had a great job. He had a he was really good, especially for a one man. Uh, one man show. That why dude wasn't is... Joel Gertner his like? Why didn't they put him in the booth with him? I thought that could be a gr- that would be a great little foil there. They but... did. They did for a while, and they were pretty yeah. solid. Uh, actually, it's just that I, I think that I think you know I think Heyman just wanted Styles just as a solo because no one else did that. I think that that's the main reason, honestly. But... Joey and Cyrus weren't bad in the booth together either. Don Callis, but yeah. Cyrus, yeah, they played off each other well. But Joey just has this wave. It's it's all in his timing and his inflection and everything. Yeah. I think he's better off alone. Yeah, you don't need. Yeah, you don't need it really. Cyrus um, is a dick. Yeah, well, good old Uncle Don. Let's uh, let's keep it rolling here. The next match on the card is Taz versus Tommy Dreamer. Um, and every wrestler, I feel like every wrestler on the roster in, in a promo like has to drop at least one f bomb in 1996. It feels like that's what has to happen. Yeah, it's almost like yeah. part of the script. It's like an ECW requirement. Um, see, anyway, man, the match was good. W. What do you What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it was good belt to belt for sure. Good like heel baby dynamics through the match. Even when Tommy is violent, though, it feels justified. Like he does it well for a baby face, and it's hard to be a true, almost white meat baby face in like such a violent setting. But I think Tommy Dreamer is just. I mean, I think he's very unique for ECW. I think that. Tommy Dreamer is literally just a local guy and and without a company like ECW to help him push him over the moon. Um, 
and I, I thought this was really good. I wasn't overwhelmed with it. There were a couple botchy spots in there for sure. Um, the table spots with Team Taz were clever, um, and the the ending really hurt me. It was way overbooked. It just got so crazy that it was literally impossible to follow, and it really hurt the rating. Uh, I really wish they would have booked a finish a little different, uh, uh, but I'm still right there in the middle on it. I'm three beers deep here on this one. Could have easily been four, maybe even four and a half if the finish had been, had made a little bit more sense, uh, but I'm just right there in the middle on Taz versus Dreamer. Jesse, where are you at on it? I had to take some points off for the the lack of finish and the overbooking of the whole thing. Although I was fucking rolling on the floor laughing at just total elimination after total elimination after total yeah. elimination. Like, yeah. And to know that, all right, we see Brian Lee and we see Terry Gordy who have already been out. We see the fucking eliminators who are going to be in the main event. And I'm like, the depth of ECW's roster is painfully shallow here because they yeah. just have to keep reusing the same guys over and over again. Second time we've seen fucking Taz. Like, yeah. it, there's just a lot of that kind of thing going on. Although, I was very surprised at the nature of how this match was. I wasn't expecting to watch a wrestling match for the first, you know, seven or eight minutes that they were in the ring. And I thought Dreamer was surprisingly great on the mat. Yeah, bell to bell. And I agree. A lot of the transitions, a lot of... Uh, I thought that the, the reveal of the rib tape was masterfully timed. I, yeah. It added a lot to the story for me. I gave it three and a half beers. Solid. Solid. Not mad about that at all. Not mad about that at all. That's a good rating. Wex, where are you at on this uh, this Dreamer versus Taz gimmick? I really enjoyed this match because, just like Jesse said, going into this, I wasn't expecting it to be like a wrestling match. And, dude, Tommy Dreamer was fucking... He was wrestling, dude. He was killing it. You think of Tommy Dreamer as a hardcore guy or as not like, you know, nothing fancy. But, dude, Tommy was – he was in there with Taz going hold for hold, hanging in there with him. And like you said, when he yeah. when he brought out the Tommy Dreamer violent shit, he fucking – it was great. And just like you said, ECW, without like a company like ECW with the fans behind him, he just seems like some regular guy because – Besides, like, Stone Cold, who just wears black trunks, like, Tommy Dreamer has always had the most basic fucking gear of all time. He always wears, like, the company shirt, like, some black pants. Like He he looks nothing. like a bus boy from Logan's Roadhouse. That's what he looks so like. He, he wears the most, like, the most plain-ass gear, but yet is over as fuck, and he can pretty much do it all. He could be a white meat baby face right there, and he can be a heel. Like, Tommy Dreamer's the shit. I went four and a half beers on this match. I... I really enjoyed it. I, I would have went higher if the we didn't have all that fucking chaos in there. Because if they would have just stayed yeah. from that first, like you said, seven minutes of wrestling and just trying to then just transition to the hardcore shit and had like a clean finish, it could it could potentially been a six pack for Wex breaking the loss in tonight. But only was four and a half. Six pack's a little crazy. I think four and a half is the most it could have gotten, but I had just had to take some some stuff off there because of that crazy overbooked finish. Overall, um, was a pretty good match, though. Let's keep it rolling here. The next match is Sandman versus Shane Douglas and Raven, I guess. And it's like this weird dog collar match, but it's not. Like, everybody just has a collar on and then, like, I don't know, maybe six feet of chain or so, like, hanging from their neck. This was, like, okay. I understand that the the Sandman and Raven, like, storyline is notorious as, like, uh, and it was probably pretty well done. And for a storyline, that's pretty solid. I get it. But dude, this match was so bad. And so, I mean, so bad. It was so lame. The whole thing felt like masturbatory almost. Like there was no point in having the chains. It just, it all felt 
overbooked, over-the-top cheese, just blood and egregious violence, bad wrestling, and Pitbull making it into the match at least gave it some small sliver of continuity, finally. Uh, But, dude, I mean... The punches were bad. I mean, every even the basics, the basic little things. Okay, listen. When the blue meanie is missing a moon sp- salt being the highlight of the match for me, you know it's the <laughs> drizzling shits. So, like, literally, I gave it a goose egg. It would have gotten negative beers, but luckily, I got to see M- meanie miss a moon salt and then scream like a nine-year-old girl, and that's just that is the quality selling that I need from him. It's ama- so that alone garnished one beer from me pretty much for the blue mini and he's not even in the damn match jesse what do you think about this handicap hodgepodge tag team thing the only reason i can figure that they tried to go with this dog collar stipulation is involving the pitbulls and i guess the only reason that shane douglas was even here was because of his role in the breaking of pitbull number one's neck i still didn't give two shits about it at all i gave it a beer and a half the crowd was like the crowd was rabid for the angle with the kid and Lori and the whole thing, which definitely added to the overall vibe of the match for me. But I got to say, even as much as I love, dude, I'm a big mark for Raven. And I got to be honest, I know this is controversial. I'm a big mark for Shane Douglas. And he had no place in this match. Sandman is the worst fucking worker in the history of the business, even though probably the most over fucking person in the history of ECW. But it garnered an entire beer and a half from me. Ugh. Oh, and the chance of uh, Kane the Kid. That was a big one for me. Kane the Kid. Yeah, that would have been nice. That would have been nice. I would have actually popped for that, probably. Um, I mean, it's 96. Kane the Girl, you know what I mean? (laughs) Hey, yo. Hey, now. Um, Wex, what did you think about this uh, this weird Sandman, Shane Douglas, Pitbull, Raven, hodgepodge? Yeah, it was just a whole bunch of garbage thrown together for a wrestling match. Like, I, I agree with Jesse and you. The angle... With the whole thing with the kid, that's probably the most important part of this match, but the rest of it was just trash. When you trash bag wrestling on ECW, basically. Trash bag wrestling in So I gave it I gave it a beer for the angle. A beer for the angle. So between the three of us, that's three and a half beers. Um, that's what that match could have been if they had just not had Sandman in it, probably. Um, let's move on to the main event here of this compilation show. I'm convinced at this point, too, by the production and lighting and everything that this is not one continuous show, but a compilation. Um, the match here is the Eliminators versus the Gangsters for the ECW Tag Team Championships, and it's in a cage. Um, uh, it was a little much. It was a little too much. A little too much. Um, yeah, I mean, Saturn diving off the top of the cage to the floor, the very first thing. And then Fat Adam Bomb, I mean, Cronus, got like a gusher early, early on that just bled. Dude, it's a train wreck. I mean, the whole thing was a train wreck. Um, Saturn, like, delivered a crazy off-the-top, like, cage splash thing. And the dude it doesn't even attempt to cover it. Like, he just, like, hops up there as quick as he can, like he's on meth, and does this massive diving splash onto... Um, I can't even remember who he, I think it was actually New Jack, and he just doesn't even, he doesn't pin him. He just nails him and just, like, rolls off, and I'm like, and then it's like, it's like it doesn't even, I, I don't know. It, this the whole thing just wasn't my style, and I, I feel like this is the main event here, and I'm going to say it, man. Like, 
ECW did not age well in my mind at all. Like every time we go back and watch ECW stuff, I hate it. Like I think the majority of it is not good. I just like I think the only reason why I got over the way it did is because of the shock value of it. And now it's not shocking anymore. You know what I mean? So like I, I try to put myself in the time, but I'm mean, I trying to think that like, you know, 1996, it's like Diesel and Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels. And like that's what's happening on the other channel. So, yeah, this is way more edgy, and I get why, like, there was a following for it then, but now it's the shits, bro. Not for me at all. Gave it two beers just for some of the crazy, insane things that the dudes put themselves through, but that's the most I could possibly give it. Jesse, what do you think about this main event, Eliminators versus Gangsters? Lots of blood, man. It was very intense. The crowd was dead. For most of it. So I mean, they, they popped at a couple of the bigger things, but I mean, for the most part, they were fucking silent. The big reveal of the guy under the hood is fucking Shane Douglas again, which just completely killed me. I Even though I love Shane, again, it just fucking killed me. This is the most active that I really recall seeing Saturn doing anything in any company. He was just really all over the place, and I thought he looked great, even yeah. though some of it was a little much. Cronus, though, this has got to be the worst like the tail end of him being in like the worst shape ever. I mean, yeah. he just looked like dog shit the entire time. He was gassed very early. The uh, the end of it seemed mighty abrupt to me. I'm not sure if somebody got hurt or what happened, but it seemed to me like it was a really quick pin and didn't seem like it possibly could have been planned to be that way. For such an active card in terms of the crowd, even the matches that we've shat on here, the crowd was still hyped for most of it. Yeah. They were fucking silent here. Yeah. And at least comparatively. So I gave it two beers as well for completely different reasons. I definitely didn't think that this should be in any kind of main event slot on any show. Yeah. Ever for any reason, ever anywhere in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, Wex, what do you think about this main event here? It was, yeah, I thought it was pretty ridiculous. I don't think there's ever been that many top of the cage moves done in a match. Like a yeah. top of the cage is like that. That's it. And he started off with it and then kept going with it. Top of the cage to the outside, too. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah, and top, and yeah, top with of no the cage pat, like just the concrete like floor. The, yeah, yeah. It, that's like the big, big, big end. Like, and he did it in reverse. He's like, all right, we're going to go with the finish first. Yeah. And then we're going to work backwards. At least maybe that's what they were thinking in their mind, yeah. but definitely because the, the match pretty much ends with a damn headlock so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, that dude that that's see dang we figured out the formula for this match they worked backwards from the finish and finished with the rest hold perfect but yeah 1.75 beers and yeah and like the crowd just yeah i don't know what the deal was maybe like they got too over hyped from fucking louis spicoli and terry gordy and it would have been so great if they pulled the hood off and it was terry gordy pre-gimmick getting wwf grooming them up for it that would have been fucking perfect but it was fucking shane douglas i still don't think anybody would have cared no no nobody would care like who i mean honestly in 1996 like you like i know daniel said you haven't really enjoyed most of the ecw shit but like here they're still like still getting their footing and they're not quite ECW. I mean, they are, but it's not like, you know what I mean? Like who else would no, they I know put what you in mean. that role? Honestly, like who could you think exactly who it should have been and who the crowd would have popped for like a motherfucker because he abruptly had was fired from the company for no showing, which is sad fucking boo. Oh, yeah. if they pulled that off and it was Sabu, I think everybody would have lost their fucking minds. Yeah, probably. That's yeah, that would have been massively big. That would have been massively big for sure. 
Um, it could have been my dad, but, yeah. but you know, you never know. They, uh, I did hear Joey Styles take a he, – he made a little Dusty Rhodes reference. He goes, not to make fun of my, uh, like, obese friend with a lisp or something like that is what he said. But he goes, he's pounded. That's how you pound him, baby. Oh, my God. Well, this show overall was kind of a miss for me, boys. I think the best thing on here was RVD versus Doug Furness. Um, and it wasn't, I mean, I didn't even, I don't think it even got, yeah, I got four beers. So that's the most I gave anything here. A couple of these things got pretty low. Uh, one dud. Let's uh, let's jump on over here to the super throwback show. It's the cheese of the cheese. It's WWF SummerSlam 1991. The opening is so early 90s that it hurts. Uh, I mean, the, the crowd is crazy hot, though. I mean, super hot in the garden. The commentary team is Gorilla, Bobby, and Brain. All just, I mean, firing on all cylinders. Still got it for sure. And I thought that the choice of booking here, and honestly the booking in general, was pretty pretty good. The way you start the show off, you started off with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Davey Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, and Kerry Von Erich, the Texas Tornado, versus Warlord, Power and Glory, which is, I believe, Hercules and uh, Roma, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, man, it's a, it, a six-man. Jesse, what do you think about this one? Man, commentary stood out to me instantaneously. I always forget yes. that Roddy was on the majority of the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Roddy was on the TV. Yeah, yeah. He fucking crushes. He does such a great job. And you can't go wrong with Gorilla Monsoon, man. It's, you know, the will you stops are just always yeah. perfectly timed. Yeah. This is the era where, as a child, I was so stoked to be a fan. I mean, I have multiple pictures of myself and my brother, just Legion of Doom, Ultimate Warrior, painted yeah. up like motherfuckers, you know, the whole thing. Had the wrestling buddies. I mean, this is like the height of WWF fandom for me, probably. Yes, yes. I mean, the I height of PG WWF, I'll say. Yeah, totally. I love Attitude Era, but this it, it wouldn't have happened without this. But of course, yeah. It is a it is such a strange open. It's like you have Carrie fucking Von Eric, who was definitely the star of their family's promotion. You have Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, yeah. definitely an inarguable legend. legend. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer had one of the best, if not a lot of people count as the best wrestling match with Macho Man at WrestleMania three for the IC title. Yep. We have a fucking horseman and Paul Roma. We have Hercules Hernandez looking dead up like Jake Roberts here for some reason. I yeah. do not remember Weird. him looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, I mean, it's basically this six-man match is an episode of Dark Side of the Ring in the making. I yeah. gave it two beers. It was kind of goofy, but I did have a whole lot of fun watching it. Yeah, I'm not too far off on, from you on that one. I'm actually 275 here, two, two and three quarters. Uh, it's a very old-school six-man, which really just makes it kind of like three separate singles matches because there's only one actual tag team. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I miss the, you know, like the headbutts to the corner. Like, I, I miss, you never see that. Any, like, there's just certain things that you just don't see anymore. The 10 count with the punches in the corner. Just, yeah. the, hey. just the old school stuff. Like that in AEW recently, the 10. Yeah, yeah. Jericho's I've, I've, been doing it, and then instead of the 10th punch, he hits the Hurricane Rana. Put yeah, that's a modern fine. twist on it. Yeah, I mean... But you know what I mean. It's like it's different when you see these roided up, super tan, like old school pro wrestlers uh, doing that kind of thing. It's a good way to get a it's good way to get these guys on the show in this era too. like to have them all kind of having a place. It, 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 it gets the hot crowd like definitely hype. It was a good open. It did get pretty clustery there at the end. 
Um, and they barely pulled off the right finish. It was probably a little bit too long, uh, but I didn't hate it. So I did go two seven five. would have been right there in the middle, but it did run a little long. Um, Wex, do you have anything to add on that six man to sit out to you? Uh, just anything from 91 is extra cheesy to me because that's when I was born. So I didn't really start becoming like the, the super fan, like Jesse was talking about into the attitude era. So like right. when I start watching this, it's, it just seems very just super cheesy to me. Like even like the style of wrestling they're doing at this time is nothing like the attitude era. I mean, when we get on to like the Mr. Perfect and that, the good shit, you know, then, then we'll talk about some wrestling. But for this is like you said, standard cheesy opening six man match. Absolutely correct. And we will not leave you waiting any longer. We did to get a great <laughs> promo before the next match here. It's Mr. Perfect. And, uh, the coach, I don't re- even remember the coach, honestly. Not to be Jonathan Coachman. Honest not Jonathan yeah. Coachman, in case anybody was wondering. Yeah, Jonathan Coachman probably would have been about my age. So, um, yeah, just wouldn't have, wouldn't have worked out. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a great promo. And the match here is Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect for the WWF Intercontinental Championship. Widely known, especially at this time. I'd say from, let's say, 85 to about 95, 96, that run, that 10-year run, the IC title was the workhorse championship for professional wrestling period to me. If you look at the IC champions in that in that 10 year time span, they were arguably the best belt to belt wrestlers across any promotion at the time. It's sad to say that it's fallen off. Um, but I mean, I love like again, me and Jesse too, like this was our intro into the pro wrestling world, really. And to me, like when I was a kid, I didn't know why I didn't understand why, but I wanted to be the intercontinental champion. I didn't really want to be the world champion because Hulk Hogan was the world champion. And I was like, <laughs> I want to be the intercontinental champian. I don't know. Yeah, that was it's just, because that's how... you can't really identify with Hulk Hogan as much yeah. as you can identify with some of the Bret Hart, Hart the smaller, or Mr. perfect or, or Shawn Michaels. You know? I mean, God, Sh- I be gotta... fucking K baby. Dude, yeah. I mean, and, and that, that, that I'm, I'm not to say too, that like the, that, that there weren't workhorse champions after that era. I mean, you had like edge and you had, um, you know, Jericho of course, but like, I will say that that 10 year span, it was every champion was a workhorse and dude, like this, this match was not an exception. It's an absolute clinic, um, two wrestlers doing the most basic things, but having the most compelling and exciting match on the card, like the most basic basic moves that you learn in training for the most part, you know, I mean, most of this is vertical suplexes, hip tosses, body slams, all, all moves that everyone learns in the first six months of training. And they managed to have an entire sold out arena completely captivated by being a good baby face that sold in Bret Hart. Like his facial expressions when he's selling are second to none. And on the same side, perfect, just being vicious and also bumping like a maniac when it's time for Bret Hart to shine, dude. And honestly, the, the ripping of the tights was like kind of accidental that he ripped them off of them. But it like added to the match because that was like in the first half of the match. And to me, it felt it, it almost made perfect look desperate. It, six beers, man. Six pack, like all the way. Really damn good. Great finish too. 100% six beers. The reversal into the sitting up into the sharpshooter, hearing that hearing the low roar of the of the crowd, like they didn't quite know what was going on into this full blown, like huge pop was really cool. Six beers for me, absolutely loved it. My match of the week for sure for both shows. Jesse, where are you out on this? I ha- I can't agree more, man. I mean, this was when we did our underrated match list 
from before yeah. this was on it for me yeah. and dude nothing to say other than six beers mr perfect sold his dick off on the afterbirth which i just thought was great it yeah. completely fucking added to the whole presentation you got to see some shots of Stu and helen in the crowd which is a very early 90s wwf element that we don't get anymore yeah. you don't see parents in the crowd anymore except for occasionally the Miz's fucking dad or whatever yeah. but <laughs> the match in and of itself bell to bell i mean you can't argue with it this is the transitional period for the wwf in terms of where their main event picture was going in terms of working style you clearly are kind of stepping away from the larger than life showboat hulk hogan five moves of doom thing for the next probably decade or so and really focusing on the bell to bell workhorse and the athleticism and yeah. the smaller elements the WWF had the IC title, definitely a workhorse title. The only thing that I've ever seen that I would say did, that competed with it, especially during that era, would have been like Crockett era television title. When you're yes, looking at like agree. Bobby Eaton and fucking Arn, yeah, that kind of agree. thing. Yeah. And, and again, they're similar styles, really. You yeah. know, Arn a little bit more, a little bit more tough, a little bit more of a wrestler's wrestler, man's yeah. man kind of wrestler than Hart or Perfect, really. But good lord, it's just such a fucking great match. Six beers all fucking day. Yeah, speaking of, too, how great would it have been in that era to see an Arn Anderson versus Bret Hart match? Good Lord. My God. Good Lord. The heel, ba- the heel baby element in there. Like, they could literally just do headlocks, hip tosses, and body slams, and it would be the best match I'd seen probably this year, honestly, if it happened. My goodness, my goodness. Wex, what do you think about Mr. Perfect versus uh, Bret Hart here? Also, six beers there. I mean, and just like you were saying, they're doing some of the most simple moves, body slams, hip tosses, and that shit. And it's because of the execution, and it's the excellence of execution. Of course, Bret Hart, of like the way they like the timing, everything about that, it's perfect. And Mr. Perfect, I don't know if it's because you got him in the match, but everything like works perfectly there. I don't yeah. know. I just keep saying perfect all the time because it's so perfect with Mr. Perfect in the match, but it's great. Six beers. I honestly, one of the better Mr. Per. I don't. I don't can you think of a better Mr. Perfect match? Ooh, that's way that's better. That's tough. Um, I know he had another. He had a different. A different some good ones with, with that Bret Hart. Equal to this, but like better than this. I don't know. I don't know. That's some a- AWA contenders down in the down yeah. somewhere. W his WWF run. How I mean, it, probably the one with Sean. The one that he had with Sean around yeah. the same. Hey, I mean, ninety two. Like, yeah. That's. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. God, man. I mean, yes, yeah, dude. Perfect. It was. God. I mean. When you talk about Bill to Bill dudes, he's got to be in the, in I the love discussion. The flex. It's still one of my it, favorite yeah. moves of all time. Yeah, it's just a That's great. That's another carry great. on top of this match for me is because at this point in time, I, I don't know if it's for sure zero people, but I'm pretty sure zero people had kicked out of the perfect flex. Yeah. And we see Brett kick and you're oh. like, whoa. That's like, that was, that's like the one winged angel, dude. Like, yeah, nobody kicks out. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, man. I mean, I think honestly, Mr. Perfect, uh, I, there's some similarities to him and Kenny Omega. Like they both. They both got oh, curly yeah, bullets. They both yeah. work like a. They have that career. I don't know that that kind of charisma. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They fully. use it in different ways, but I can kind of see that similarity. I mean, the the velocity of taking a turnbuckle and stuff is also highly similar. I I never really thought about that before, but you're right. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of similarities, especially in the way they sell and the way they bump. Maybe not so much Dude. on the offense, but yeah. Wild, wild one, man. Really good stuff. Uh, don't call us the three six mafia, but we are all all three six packs on that one. I loved it. For I'm not sure. wearing the shirt today. I'm actually wearing a Gotch Brothers wrestling T-shirt today. Shout out, shout to out, Gotch Brothers. Yep, absolutely. Big fans of theirs. Big fans of theirs. Let's keep it rolling here, boys. 
Uh, we got uh, Alfred Lord Lord Alfred Hayes uh, interviews the Hart like family right there, like at in the crowd and it at was at ringside. That's classic. Yeah. That's another classic one too, Jesse. Like they don't do that anymore either. Like oh, how's it? It's a nice family thing to do. It's a nice family thing to do for a nice family product. Um, yeah, and then we got a really awful Andre and Bushwhackers promo in the back. Man, <laughs> poor Mean Gene. You could just tell on his face that he was like, I don't know what's happening here. You've got to say, too, man, if you look at the just the roster of on-air microphone personalities for WWF during this time, I mean, what's another era that had that many people that made sense like that? Like the personalities of a Sean Mooney and a Lord Alfred Hayes and a Mean Gene Oakland all existing at the same time. Right. It, you look at the fucking landscape of it now, and it's just it, whatever chick got fired from ESPN. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I agree fully. Let's get to the next match here. Unfortunately, it's the Natural Disasters versus the Bushwhackers, and it's exactly what you would expect it to be. It's hot garbage. Hot garbage. Hot garbage. It's bad wrestling. Way over gimmicked. Just not good at all. Andre should not have even been out there. It was embarrassing. It made me sad for him. Um, it was an overbooked finish. Did not like it at all. <laughs> Um, at least I didn't see any of the Bushwhackers lick children on this, this entrance, but it did happen pretty commonly. Kind of strange, especially when you think about it now. Um, talk about a super spreader. Uh, yeah, not good at all. I'm going to give it a, give it a half a beer at best. Um, and that's just cause I feel bad for Andre. what do you think about natural disasters versus the Bushwhackers here, Jesse? Dude, I can't help but feel as though matches like these are the reason that WCW had success a couple of years after this. I think this is kind of where you started to see WWF fall off, just counting on the strength of the character and, and yep. getting over to the kids. Now, here's the thing, though. I remember seeing John Tenta in person for the first time at a live WWF show in Nashville when I was very young, and it's astounding, you know? I mean, there, yeah. there are a lot of elements of it that make yeah. sense. Bushwhackers were fucking over like Rover. You could just tell by yeah. how much they sold in merch and things like that. I mean, everybody would pop for him. It was just, you know, you didn't want to see a match that was longer than about 60 seconds. Unless yeah. you were watching old school sheep herders, violent shit, which I right. love. Yeah. The, uh, might be the most embarrassing thing outside of Shockmaster for good old Uncle Fred here. Right. Yeah. Shockmaster wouldn't be too far after this. So no. good old player for the gold. It is a dud for me. The crowd was loud, though. I felt yeah. bad about giving it a dud, kind of, but God, it was hard to watch. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I mean, there's, there's something else on the show here that I, We'll we'll get to, but I, I see what you mean. Sometimes you do have to take the, the 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 era and the crowd into effect, but I think even still doing that, it's just not good. Just not good at all. Uh, the next thing we had, I guess, well, Wex, do you have anything to add to that natural disasters versus bushwhackers thing, or can we just call it pretty much a dud across the board? It was a dud across the board. It was a natural disaster. Natural disaster, indeed. Natural disaster. Okay. I just wrote that. I'll, all right, I think we got together next week. Yeah, I love karaoke. it. I'm an R&B singer now, actually. Happening. happening. I love it. I love it. I'm super excited about that. That's uh, Be on the lookout for that, man. We're about to drop some bops on you. Um, the next thing here in the back is Macho Man kind of like being nervous and obviously paranoid on the phone, setting up all of his last-minute wedding plans, if you will. Classic <laughs> WWF. It made me miss the Macho Man because nobody could do it like him. It was Dude. just really funny, really entertaining. So much, dude, I really enjoyed that. Then we also got a DiBiase. I tell you what the plans are. Uh, you know, I just don't yeah. know. I'm gonna go and uh, tell Elizabeth. You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> like, what Ooh, the fuck yeah. is up? 
Oh, he's so good, dude. He's such. Oh God. R.I.P. Man. Macho oh. Man. Forever will be like the the first person to make me care about pro wrestling, and I'm very very grateful for that. Um, we got also got a Diesel or not a Diesel, a Virgil and DiBiase promo in the back. Um, and that's the next match here. It's the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, Ted DiBiase, easy for me to say, uh, versus Virgil for the WWF million dollar championship. As it was actually announced, think literally said the WWF million dollar championship, which I think is the first time it was actually defended, right? I think so. That's That's the first defense. Yes. And the first changing of the title ever. It was, it was, it was for sure. I mean, and listen, dude, you can say what you want, but in August of 1991, Virgil was 100% over. The crowd was really hyped to see this. DiBiase sold like a madman. The match was really good. I was pleasantly surprised. I did not expect it to be as good as it was. It was definitely overbooked with all the Sherry stuff, but in the kind of like good 90s cheesy, this overbooking is kind of new at this point in time. Um, and I, I thought it was really good. I thought, you know, the, the, the struggling to get to the pin, the real, the bringing that extra drama and the crowd just so hot cause they know what's about to happen. And then when Virgil wins, man, he sells it. Like he just won a gold medal and the crowd ate it up, dude. It was a really good feel good moment. The, the, you know, not to be, not to say that it was a Matt classic. There were some moments in there that definitely did not make it a six beer match. Uh, but four and a half beers for me. I was very pleasantly surprised by it. Definitely enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, Jesse, where are you out on this match? Dude, I, I loved the Sherry element. I got to be honest. I like Keeping in mind, too, with this era, we still aren't in the pay-per-view per month era yet. So right, you're yeah. still really looking at like four big shows a year for the most part. So leaving the impression on these bigger bills of this is how this person as a character like Sherry makes you feel. Yeah. To be like you can't do anything different and do it any better. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. The crowd was on fucking fire for this, probably more so than the main, really. Like, they loved, they popped for entrances on the main, but I think that they were more hook, line, and sinker for the duration of this match the entire time. And this is the epitome of an example of what a great worker like Ted DiBiase can do to bolster the profile of somebody who, I, I thought Virgil worked his ass off, but, I mean, historically not known as a great worker. However, Zibiasi made him look like a million so fucking dollars. No pun intended. That's why he's the yeah. million-dollar man, baby. I gave it five beers. Meat sauce crushed it. It was a good job. Five. Solid. So we're only a half a beer off on that one. Four and a half. I got five. Wex, what did you think about this million-dollar man uh, and Virgil? Um, not only that, but like from, from your perspective, too, because you're younger than us, like you pointed out as many times as you possibly can in the show. Um, <laughs> like... Wh- do you remember this angle? Did you go back and watch it? Because I know it's it's a pretty legendary Million Dollar Man angle. Of course, I've went back and watched it. I've seen this uh, match a couple different times over the years. You know, just especially when the network came out. When I yeah. first that first came out, I went and watched all the old shit all over again. Yeah. I saw this on VHS somewhere, like over the years as a kid. But Virgil, and this is out of my thirty years of living, this was the most over Virgil has ever been. A hundred percent, yeah. No doubt. And I was, like I said, only six months old at this time. But Virgil, I mean, I don't know if Olive Garden was around in 91, but if it was, he was eating a lot of damn breadsticks at this point. His breadstick count was up real high because if you got the million dollar championship, uh, you know, that, that, that's going to give you some extra breadsticks, maybe some uh, more all you can eat uh, soup and salad, too. It might give you some 
extra free and get some free cards for those two. I don't know. Virgil's got the hookup when it comes to Olive Garden. I don't know if he was Olive Garden at this point, but man, he was, like Jesse said, the classic saying, over like Rover. I mean, yeah, he's there. Yeah. I love Virgil. I still love Virgil to this day, Soul Train Jones. He's the man. But Ted DiBiase, I think it's I think it's kind of funny that uh, contrast, we're going 20, no, 20 30, years? literally 30 years later, the Million Dollar years, yeah. Championship is still being defended on WWE pay-per-views. By Isn't two of crazy? the best talents that they have in the company currently as well. Yes, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Let's hope that this whole NXT reforming doesn't fuck up those t- talents. But uh, actually, I, I think I right think, now, and I gotta say, eh. I think LA Knight's the guy that they're gonna. I mean, now's the time to pull the trigger on him. The dude's in his late thirties. I mean, I mean, he look and he dude. LA Knight looks yeah, Eli Drake. He LA looks LA like Knight, a wrestler. He looks, he like, looks like a WWF wrestler. Like does. that's what he looks like, and he does it really well. He's a good talker, and he can wrestle. I mean, honestly, to me. That guy is a much if 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 you're gonna if you're gonna have NXT if you're if you want to make it more like the main roster and yada 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 like to me that that's the guy you want over an Adam Cole or a Kyle O'Reilly or whatever and I personally would rather see Adam Cole but I love the LA Knight vibe too to me LA Knight's one of the last the LA Knight's one of the dying true superstars I mean the, the dude feels like a WWF WWE superstar I know this is kind of a tangent but. Shit, I want to talk about some current wrestling. I mean, like this is I think that yeah, I think that that dude's got the sky's the limit for him for sure. Agreed. I think Knight and I got to say and I know you're not as big as fan, but I think if they were to kind of change and tweak the work rate a little bit, I think a feud on top with Knight and Priest in like two and a half years or so would probably be mega money. Yeah, yeah let, I can get with let that. Priest kind of get more over with the crowd, kind of get that more babyface thing going. LA Knight is a heel. That's money. Yeah, I mean, L- L.A. Knight is a heel versus, and this is going to, I mean, this might piss people off because it's part of the old old guard or whatever, but, I mean, L.A. Knight John Cena would be sick. I mean, I oh, feel yeah. like that would be really, really good, uh, and I feel like that's the guy to pass the torch to if John Cena you know, decides to take another two, three-year sabbatical or whatever it is. L.A. Knight versus Drew McIntyre, yeah. which they've wrestled before, and they have good, you know. They... I don't care about Drew right now, but that's not his fault. Yeah, that's not his fault. It's not his fault. I'm just thinking of a good baby. I'm trying to think of a good baby face on WWE, and I just can't really think of many right now. So Big E. Yeah, it's Big E. Yeah, that'd be good. E. Yes, that's a great. Is is he uh, still got the briefcase? I believe he does. Yeah, they botched that whole thing so hard. Um, they botched the briefcase years ago, but let, let's continue. I mean, continue. dude, yeah, they're botching pretty much everything. But speaking of botching everything, I guess it must have started here about 30 years ago. Mean Jeans in the back with the Mountie uh, and a promo on the Big Boss Man. They spent so much time on this angle throughout the rest of the show. Uh, the match is the Mountie versus the Big Boss Man, um, and it's about as cartoonish as you can possibly get. Um, and, dude, okay, I've never really understood the weird USA against Canada thing. It never really made sense. It always felt like a, like a fart in church. Like, it was just not – there was never enough heat because people were like, oh, yeah, I mean, we're U.S. and we're the best. And Canada was like, okay. I don't know. It's just not a real – like, it's just not a real rivalry. It's just stupid. Um, I also love the fact that the Confederate flag is just all over boss man's gear. It's just funny to me. Um, I don't know. It was trash. Um, I can't imagine. Cobb County, dude. Cobb yeah. County's oh, got d- uh, Confederate flags. Literally, dude. the original Big Boss Man theme song was the highlight of this entire thing. Just hearing that. <laughs> uh, 
Hey, yeah, that's, I, a, that's a good song, Serving Hard Time. I mean, I can't imagine anyone caring about this angle now or even in 1991. It's meat slapping at its worst. Uh, it was way too long, and I got literally a big old goose egg for this one. Um, Jesse, where are you at on the Mountie versus the Big Boss Man here? It's kind of – I always enjoy watching Ray Trailer work, and it's funny because when you think about the Rougeos outside of this gimmick – I don't really think about them in terms of not being great bell-to-bell workers. I think about them both being technicians, and to see this particular gimmick and the character-driven work, the bell-to-bell was garbage. I I was very generous with this match for one reason and solely one reason, and that was the fucking commentary. I yeah, kept commentary on was my, good. Um, I gave it three beers for commentary alone. I mean, it was gimmick-heavy. This is another example of WWF parading to the kids. I mean, you got a cop versus a Mountie and somebody's going to jail and yada, yada, yada. It was hokey. It was over the top. It was kind of stupid. But even just the one comment, <laughs> Bobby Heenan hits it. Is it, what kind of bird can't fly? A jailbird. And, oh. and it's like the, the penultimate thing that they said during the I, I don't know. It's something about that. Also, as a kid, I fucking hated the Mountie. And I have to give them some credit for that. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess that makes sense if you had like personal heat with it, so you have a different perspective on it. That's cool. Wex, what did you think about the boss man versus the Mountie? I say zero beers and fuck the police. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes no, sense. No, but honestly, I don't like Big Boss Man as a babyface yeah. because I grew up with the Big Boss Man I know was Hill Big Boss Man. He wore the black tactical gear and yeah. cooking out snow dog and shit. Yeah. yeah, exactly, and getting hung by the Undertaker in the in the cage, like. That's the that's the big boss man I know. So the first I, WWF get, murder. You can't have a baby face cop. What the fuck? Get the fuck out of here. A baby face cop. Come on. I mean, it feels pretty 1991. That feels very uh, Reagan era. Baby face cops makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of well, course, feel- v- Vinnie Mac will have a baby face cop. ECW wouldn't have a baby face cop. I tell you that. Even though they had a cop at ringside the entire time, which I didn't bring that up. Yeah. Well, I mean, nine one one was kind of a baby face, and he was like a bodyguard is close no there's, there's also mass no. transit but i guess he was more of a bus guy and <laughs> anyway a uh, cab ftp uh, let's uh let's keep rolling here the million dollar man um and the natural disasters both kind of get heel promos in the back to get their heat back because it's 91 and that's what you do that's the formula for 91 is you give them some promo time and then boss man and macho both got their little segments in it as well and i felt like pretty much an intermission that's how old this this match this this whole thing was this this time felt like an intermission for the live crowd we are a little over halfway through here um but let's get to the the next match on the card it's the nasty boys versus the legion of doom and this is when i like you know you were talking earlier about how like the crowd's super into it so you give it more because of that like, the match was an absolute cluster. It was not good. It was a super botch fest. I mean, it was really bad. But the crowd was so hot, and they did not care. I mean, they could completely whiff a, a kick, and just the crowd didn't care. I mean, it, it, it didn't matter at all. The crowd was so hot. And I try to put myself in at the time, and the six-year-old me that would have watched this would have absolutely loved it, especially with the title change. Um, having the LOD become the tag champions here. That alone made me, if, if my adult brain says it's a dud and my kid brain says it's a six-pack, I'm going to go right in the middle on it and give it three beers. The Nasty Boys versus the Legion of Doom. Uh, both t- tag teams were super over. 
Um, definitely the most over tag teams in the company at the time. Jesse, where are you at on the Nasty Boys versus the Legion of Doom here? Man, those fucking LOD promos from this era will never be tired to me. Nope. I, I Every time, I just love them. You just got Animal barking and talking shit and then handing yep. it over to Hawk, and you get the, well, and yeah. it's just every time. I mean, it just rules. And Nasty Boys, I, I think Nasty Boys get a bad rap a lot of the time, man. I really, honestly, as goofy as the gimmick is or whatever, or kind of non-existent as the gimmick is, I they're, they're a brutal fucking team. They're brawlers. I, I always enjoy watching their matches. There were a lot of really great signs I noticed for this one. Yeah. Also, did not expect to see Hawk pull a fucking Enziguri in the middle of the match. That was... Kind of out of nowhere. And since when is there a fucking bus tub iced down full of drinks at ringside? Like, uh, I think there actually always is. They're not. Yeah, but I, you just never see it used. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm yeah. sure that they keep that shit there for commentary. But in this instance, they like throwing it. And yes, it was a botch fest. But again, crowd didn't give a fuck. I really only I mean, I only gave it two beers, but it just got a little plotting for me. But the I thought the Nasty Boys did a really great job. Dick teasing the hot tag the entire time. Yeah, yeah. And, the fucking crowd, dude, that pop for the Doomsday device. Yes, and massive. And it was brutal. <laughs> God, it was brutal. Yep. The two beers from me. Lex, where are you at on LOD versus the Nasty Boys here, man? I'm kind of right there with Jesse. Two beers, but kind of for different reasons. I honestly have never seen a good Nasty Boys match. I don't know if that's just me, but... I've never watched a match of theirs and been like, wow, that was fucking great. I want to go watch one of their matches again. They've just never really done it for me. And the reason the crowd was hot is because of the goddamn Road Warriors. 100%. Like, man. You can 100%. put the Road Warriors in there against. I mean, I will say the Nasty Boys were really over in 90. The, I mean, the Nasty Boys were really over, and I get it or whatever, but like, it's the Road Warriors. Like, yeah, for sure. Like, I swear, you could literally could have put them with in there with the most lowest jobbers on the card and let them have that same match, and the crowd's going to be just as hot because it's the fucking Road Warriors. Like, yeah. The Doomsday, I mean, have you ever, I mean, have you ever seen a live Doomsday device? I have not from the Road Wars, I've seen it from other wrestlers, but I'm sure seeing a Doomsday device live is just like. Oh, yeah, I've never seen it live, no. I never got a chance I mean, to, unfortunately. I'm trying to think of, like, an, an equivalent, like, sick move, like, I don't know. Fucking Mad the Killer, bro. Or the what? 3D. The 3D, yeah. The 3D, 3D live. live. Yeah, uh, the fucking. Uh, Meltzer Driver live. Seeing that yeah. live is insane. The Mel- yes, the, Mel- the in- Meltzer Driver, the Indie Taker, the fucking, uh, the Midnight Hour. <laughs> the Magic yeah. Killer, I really pop for. I've yeah, it's a, ma- a great yeah, move. Yeah. The Magic yeah. Killer a few times. I mean, any, like, cool, you know, like, cool tag. Like, when you see, yeah. like, your favorite your favorite team hit their fucking move. But the thing is, all these teams we're naming, no one gets to pop like the Road Warriors. They're, they're the fucking tag team. The Young Bucks may be the closest, if, if, but, I mean... I mean, was there a really overly popularized tag team maneuver before? I mean, I know that there were tag team maneuvers before, but anything that had that no. kind of uh No, I think you're right. I mean, honestly, the first tag team move I ever did on the trampoline with my brother was the 3D. I mean, because that's like... Yeah, but we go, from the, from the, you if you go Attitude first. Era, the 3D, like what tag team move is more, is like more iconic than the 3d yeah i feel like there's i mean even even the other tag teams that i love like ftr doesn't really have a, a, a joint i mean that now they're doing like the you know they're doing the the brain busters finish with this no, stuff pile driver, machine but, or the the big rig 
the big rig. Yeah, that's right. Machine. Oh, that's, that's right. Move. That's right. Yeah, that's that's, that's a pretty cool. solid one. That's a good. That's I think cool. that, that actually, that's a good tag. It's a You're right. I don't know why I forgot break. about that. But I. But also, like, there's uh, like Edge and Christian didn't really have a tag move. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, no. the Hardys kind of had that tandem like twist of fate with him to the Swanton, and that that is badass. Like, that's a cool combination of moves. But, but that's it cool. Wasn't as icon- it wasn't yeah. iconic like right. the 3D. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I agree. Right now, honestly, it's like. Like the Young Bucks, they have so many iconic tag team moves. They have so yeah. many sick ones. Yeah, they do. I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of anybody from the Attitude Era besides the 3D that is like a iconic, like sick tag team move. I used to really enjoy like uh, Road Dog and K Quick had a move that I really liked, even though it was a short lived team that I super enjoyed. I kind of liked America's Most Wanted's finisher and the uh, Too Cool had a pretty dope one too that they were kind of similar. Yeah. Where they kind of did like the lean up, hold up, leg drop. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I, I, I enjoyed about. that shit. Um, I was a big two cool mark, but I still did. I still didn't think that finisher was as cool as the three D. I don't think many of them ever will be. Man, I you know what you know what a badass tag team finishes? A double burning hammer. Double burning hammer. I you know what tag team move? That was I our like? tag team finish. The Justice Brothers. That was our. Oh tag really? Team yeah. Oh, that's why it's a sick one. <laughs> the one that Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy do, where where Luchasaurus flips the guy into the power bomb. Yeah, the thoracic express. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's no, a fucking. That's, that's sick. I, I really yeah. like that move. That's cool. I think it's Private great. Party and the Super Smash Bros. both have quite a few. Oh yeah, Private ones. Party. Oh yeah, and I want to say, is the Blue Meanie? Is did he inspire Isaiah Cassidy? <laughs> the scream. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the scream. Maybe must. I mean, definitely inspired Norman Smiley. That's yeah. Good. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's really good, man. I don't know. I, that's, that's where I'm at on it. The overall, I mean, you, yeah, you got to give it to any of your rating is pretty much from the LOD getting that massive pop. And you know what? In Vince's mind, he's like, you know what? God, it's good shit, pal. You know what we need now after yeah. that massive, really good pop. We need more of the Mountie and boss, man. That's what we need to put on the show. More of the Mountie and boss, man. And they spent so much time on that curtain jerker angle, dude. It just was not good. I can't not imagine people caring about that. It must have been a piss break for everybody because they didn't have bad Divas matches at the time either. So let's go to the next match here, which is IRS versus Greg Valentine. Um, and speaking of things that not a soul on earth cared about, um, dude, this is, I mean, this is like the tag match, but flip. Like the crowd was really dead, but the actual wrestling was pretty solid. I mean, the match belt to belt was good. Um, but dude, no one cared. It was so dull. There was not even really an angle going between them. And if you're going to have four big shows, how is this not the popcorn match? You know what I mean? Like, how is it not? Like, I mean, how is it? This is like, Hey, we got to get our breath back between, you know, the Legion of doom and then our Hogan match. So like, it makes sense that it's here, but I don't know. It's a standard heel baby match. And it was a quick finish. It was really good on commentary. Um, I liked the match bell to bell. Uh, but the crowd was completely dead for it. So I went two and a half beers on it. Uh, it wasn't bad. But um, then again, it's IRS and it's not Mike Rotunda. And that whole gimmick of him wearing slacks and a dress shirt just never <laughs> looks good on anybody. It's just not good. Um, Jesse, what do you think about IRS versus Greg Valentine here? I mean, popcorn, uh, pretty standard territory era match, you know, yeah. which all these guys are coming out of. Yeah. The uh, Greg Valentine as a face, like, whoever what? That shit. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, yes. The, uh, you know, there's a lot of working at the leg. You got the figure four T's, yada, fucking yada. It was kind of boring, but, I mean, it did the job. I, I only gave it a beer, but, I mean, it did what it was supposed to do. They wanted to hear that 
main event star pop from the audience and they got it you know yeah yeah i think they got it i think it was pretty cool um i i mean again i thought it was i was pleasantly surprised i thought it was gonna be bad because greg valentine to me is literally hit or miss like he either has really great matches belt to belt or he's really awful um and this was the you know it was the prior he had a pretty good match i thought wex what do you think about irs versus greg valentine here i mean I guess it, you know, it was a solid match, I guess. It wasn't anything special. It wasn't, like, it wasn't the shits or anything, you know. It was, like, a pretty decent match. And Greg Valentine, just thinking about him as a babyface, just doesn't even, like, I can't even comprehend that. And just like you said, Mike Rotunda, the whole IRS thing, uh, Cameron, good buddy of mine, which you guys know, who's probably going to maybe be on next week's episode, possibly. Yeah. yeah, next week's episode, he might be on there with us, but he said IRS is the reason he quit watching wrestling when he was a little kid for the longest and didn't start watching again until, like, towards the end of the Attitude Era. Like, actually, technically, Cameron started watching, like, right, yeah, like, it was, like, after the Attitude Era, I think, like, it was that 2001-2 time, he said... IRS made him quit wrestling. He thought it was lame that like he just thought that was a lame character and thought that was a stupid. So he just yeah, he was just like. I mean, he's not wrong. That's how he explained it to me. He's like, that's not wrong. Lame. The IRS, a guy in a suit. Fuck that shit. But Greg Valentine, you know, like you know, he's racist. He does his thing. So you know. Oh my god. I I guess I'll subtract a beer. I'll give my. I'll give it a half a beer for Hall uh, of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. Okay. Put some respect on that man. Lesbian PE teacher. He really does look like a lesbian PE teacher. Speaking of lesbian PE teachers, Hulk Hogan is on the next match. It's um, it's Sergeant Slaughter, General Adnan, and Colonel Mustafa versus Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior um, in a three-on-two handicap match. That makes perfect sense uh, to headline one of your big four shows. That's what you want to put on as the main event. That's uh, Oh, and uh, just for good measure, we're going to put Sid Justice out there, greener than goose shit, as the special guest referee, and that is all just going to go seamlessly. Um, it didn't. Spoiler alert. It was a terrible match. Uh, I genuinely felt bad for Sergeant Slaughter. The dude got the absolute hell beat out of him, and he was no spring chicken at this point. Um, I mean, my God. Like, Sarge did his best to keep up, man, but good Lord. He was just bumping like a madman. I, he earned every penny of his payoff at that point. It's not good bell to bell. Um, I mean, I get that the point is to build tension for Hogan and Warrior, but they didn't really even accomplish that. Like, it's like that. It, it was dumb. It was bad. It didn't make any sense. It would have been way better to have just sh- a few shorter matches and have like Hogan versus Slaughter or maybe just Warrior versus Slaughter or I don't know, just not have one of them on the show and just do like a promo from one of them. It, I don't know. It just seemed this was bad. Uh, it was just not good at all. Um, I gave it a dud, dud for a main event, just zero for me. Uh, Jesse, where are you at on this three-on-two handicap matches? I made a bet for SummerSlam. I mean, both of Sergeant Slaughter's partners were in their 50s at this time, and this whole fucking thing was capitalizing on the real-life war that we were in at the moment, and you know the fucking the shitty situation with WrestleMania having to move because they couldn't sell out an arena, and then they had to move it into a fucking or a stadium, or whatever the fuck, and they had to move into a smaller joint. There were a lot of security threats during this time. They just kept on doubling down on this shit. 
I do have some level of admiration for the amount of length they spent on the angle in and of itself. I mean, this was a build to Hogan Sid at next year's WrestleMania. Yeah. I think that obviously Warrior was supposed to be in play here. However, he was fired after the show for bitching about money and did not return until the following WrestleMania. So kind of one of those situations where the whole thing is just very exemplary of WWF having zero direction at this time. I don't understand why they had the Hogan throw fucking dust. I mean, you got the captain baby face of your entire company and he wins with a heel tack. It was fucking weird as shit to me. I gave it two beers just because, again, I mean, that crowd reaction, you can't argue with. But, God, it just was fucking terrible, man. Yeah. It wasn't good at all. It was not good at all. Wex, what do you think about this uh, hodgepodge of three on two? You know, it was some goddamn bullshit. Uh, like you said, two, three fucking really old guys going against two kind of old guys who are can't fucking do it. They're just bucket. Like it's just just a bunch of fucking bullshit. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. It's oh, Hulk yeah. Hogan in '91. He started his like run in '84, right? Yeah. At night, we were fucking over Hulk Hogan at night, and by '91, Hulk Hogan was doing three ninjas high noon at Mega Mountain and shit like that. Like, hey, dude, he was okay. You're gonna have to pump your brakes now on that one. He's still quite, he's still quite over. I think it's, it's we're looking more like '93 before he's getting well, I'm to the saying, point where they, the, the kids still love Hogan, but the adults are probably starting to get a little oh, bit yeah, stale yeah. and tired yeah, of this yeah, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's true. Yeah. Like he, he's still he's still hot with the kids, of course. Like I'm just saying, this is well, like think about that. That's only a six. That's only like what a seven year run. Like that's a long time. But like look at John Cena. How long yeah. has he been hustle loyalty and, and how, respect? And how quick did we get tired of that bullshit? I mean, I like him. I like the guy. I, like I think him he's a now, class citizen. I, I appreciate him now because he's not overexposed and we don't see him all the goddamn <laughs> time. But at That's the fair. time, fair. I was over that bullshit. But yeah. now it's all, you, you You can appreciate something when it's not fucking in your face all the goddamn time and always holding the title and always beating Shawn Michaels. Yeah. <laughs> there is that, for sure. And always beating I mean, Shawn Michaels. He also God, got a damn it, he always beat Shawn Michaels. He did always beat Shawn Michaels, and that pissed me off, too. Their whole situation, you know, they, they had high hopes for what was going to happen with Flair as well. And, you know, we're leading into the Rumble yeah. where you know, Flair winds up going in, winning the shit. And, you know, we have a double main event by the next year's WrestleMania involving Flair, Macho, and then Sid and Hogan. So, it's I mean, it's a whole you – know, you can see what they were trying to work for. It just – it seems like this is what they're doing now, which is just yeah. constantly changing the booking at the last fucking minute. And you can't build off of that. Yeah. Yo, think about this if WWF tried to do like a – another Middle East war angle like we're in real life and tried to do an angle on it in real life now, how that would go down. I think USA Network would end their contract with them, or Fox would probably. I mean, the last no, time no, Fox, they, Fox think would. about it, the last Fox, time they those did people that are assholes, uh, so. was the whole uh, Undertaker and what's his name? Goldberg? No. Oh, <laughs> that was that's different. <laughs> no. Uh, that's a different burial t- in the, the Middle East. The terrorist angle. Uh, Oh. Muhammad Hassan. Muhammad yes, Hassan. That's the yeah. last time they tried that, they immediately got shut down. Poor so. Muhammad Hassan, dude. That dude was but, over, I mean, man. He could wrestle too. Is, I mean, but I I agree. Goldberg and Undertaker terrorist angle sucked too. That was one of the worst terrorist angles ever. Oh my god. I mean, I feel like Goldberg isn't terrorist <laughs> on my television screen, but right. He um, better not beat Bobby Lashley, or I'm gonna. Ugh, I'll never watch WWE again unless it's for the show, which is pretty much the only reason I watch it. So, 
man, well, we still watch quite a bit of it, but let's uh, let's keep going. Um, WWE, sorry. Let's let's uh, let's NXT right. aside. So this is the end of the show, and okay, so this is SummerSlam. So you're looking at three, maybe four big shows in '91, and you end the show with Macho Man and Elizabeth's wedding. Now that's okay. There's a nostalgia dump there for me. I enjoyed that. The music video package for it <laughs> was second to none. I mean, just an absolute classic with the quite possibly like the worst singer I think I've ever heard in my life. Um, it was so bad. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I honestly thought, too, that this was going to end with them cutting the cake and this being the beginning of the Jake the Snake angle. But I think they did that on TV later. So to me, it's like, why, why, why? Like, why would you end the show this way? Like, it just, why not start the show this way? It was just going to be a good feeling. Like, you should have did it in the middle, like right in the middle. Yeah, or during the intermission section. Yeah, okay. like... Yeah, I feel like that. Well, they could have took been... one of those shitty matches away and put in that. It's just, I mean, I, I mean, imagine I doing rate the wedding it, but... right before the main event because everyone's not going to lose their mind in that type of way. Right. Yeah, I mean, either way, like, yeah, I mean, it it, it, it was it was a nice little feel good moment. I guess it's in the crowd. I mean, the crowd was hyped for it. The crowd was super hyped for the wedding. It was great. Whatever. Very late '80s, early '90s kind of vibe to it, but. Big miss for me. I didn't really rate it because it's not a match, but Jesse, you got anything to add on that whole wedding rigmarole? I mean, is there another example of ending a pay-per-view with a setup segment like this? Because I can't I think, think of so. one. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. The I, I get what they're trying to do, and again, clearly they had eyes on... It, it's historically pretty well-known. Hogan and McMahon tend to go back and forth with some hatred and some professional shit, yada, yada, yada. You can tell here McMahon's mind is like, his wheels are turning on figuring out who's the next big guy. Like, who's the next big star? How do we get away from Hulk here? Because I know I can't trust him, and I can see the writing on the wall. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where they started building Warrior, then they had to fire Warrior. They bring in Sid. They're trying to build him. They're trying to tease Ric Flair. They're trying to have Macho Man headline with a fucking wedding on one of the big four shows of the entire year. It's very clear to me that, again, just lack of direction, and this show suffered greatly from that. Yeah. Yeah, lack of direction is the only thing that I can really say here. I okay, so for me, um, I gotta be honest though. Like, if I have to, if I have to choose, like if I have to watch one show or the other, for my kayfabe comparison, I I mean, call me crazy, but I'm going I'm going SummerSlam '91. I think it's a, I think it's there's more nostalgia there to it. I think that the actual bell to bell matches, um, the ones that were good were insanely good, and um, yeah, for me, it's 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 gonna be SummerSlam '91. Uh, Jesse, where are you at? What's your what's your overall kayfabe comparison winner for this one? Natural Born Killers beat out SummerSlam for me only by about a fucking quarter of a beer. And it, it, it was remarkably close. And you got to think, too, similarities, man. Both of them had a pretty decent opener. They had one star quality match, in my opinion, each show. And then they shit the fucking bed on the main event, both of them. So it was what it was. Wex, you're going to wreck the tie here, man. Which way are you going? You're going SummerSlam? You're going natural. I'm killers. going with Missy Hyatt getting hit in the back of the head with the Singapore cane. Oh, come ECW, on. Natural born killers. It, and it wasn't honestly, just like Jesse said, it wasn't by a whole lot, but too much cheesiness in the early nineties and 96. Like that's, that's more me 
how you were when this came out, when yeah. 91 came out for you guys. So it's like, I don't know. And seeing Ta- Taz just was a fucking hoss. At the time I saw Taz, like the first time, he was, was not near as good shape and did not wrestle as good. So like, yeah, it's cool seeing Taz actually a badass, like for once. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, it looks like this cave frozen in place. It it looks like this kayfabe comparison uh, definitely is going to end up going to. Unfortunately, against my better judgment is going against uh, it's going against me. And it looks like the winner is going to be ECW's natural born. C dub from 1996. Uh, I will say, though, for me. Match of the match of the week that I'm going to be putting up on our TikTok is going to be Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental Championship at SummerSlam 1991. Um, man, it was uh, it was something else, man. It was something else. What was your what was your match of the of the week uh, like overall from both shows? Which one did you have rated the highest, uh, Wex? Uh, let's see. Out of all of them, uh, definitely that the. Six beer, that match. Match of the night. Yeah, match of the night for sure. Okay, cool. Well, looks like Jesse uh, is... Mr. Perfect thing. I caught the rag, but you probably can't see it because of my fucking background, so fuck. <laughs> well, it looks like Jesse has kind of lost uh, lost interest or lost connection. Oh, oh, is, is he hopping back in here? We, we, he made it. We made it. Jesse, you're live? Oh, I decided to shit the bed just for a second. <laughs> It's all good. We were just talking about our match of the week. I think we were we were unanimous that even though Natural Born Killers won the K-Pave comparison, I'm, I will say match of the week is probably going to be perfect and hard, right? Yeah. That's hard to argue with, man. As much as I love RVD and Furnace, I think that that's the competitor, and I got to give it to Perfect and Brett, dude. Yeah, yeah. you got you to gotta give it to them. It's an absolute classic. My, Go out of your um, way to see my it. My honorable mention is Taz and Dreamer, but that's only if you yeah. want to see Tommy okay. Dreamer do some fucking wrestling. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, and for those of you guys keeping count on your little ticker, this is episode 99. Uh, this is not by design, man, but how crazy is it that next week's episode is going to be our 100th episode and we, on our 100th episode, fate has handed to us CM Punk's first match back in seven years. How crazy is that guys? Like it's like the wrestling podcast gods are on our side. We're doing AEW all out versus fall brawl 1996. It is the beginning of, uh, you know, all the good motivation for the NWO and the ascent of WCW going up against the arguably the ascent and possibly taking over that number one wrestling spot in AEW as well. Um, Jesse, Jesse, what do you think about this this next next week's show? Episode I mean, 100, baby. The fucking world is a buzz about all out, clearly, about AEW in general. I think that this card is one of those. It's a clutch situation for all elite wrestling, man. They got to deliver here. Um, yeah, it's, it's I agree. critically important that this show pans out, but also, dude, I'm also really looking forward to covering fall ball because it's one of my favorite WCW shows. I think that there is a whole lot of meat on the bone with the undercard. It is yeah. always exciting to discuss the rise of the NWO. So I think both of these are, again, we just happen to like slip in fall into these similarities and I yeah. think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm excited about it, man. I really do feel like the flow of the show is getting better and better every week. Even when we have a show like this that seems a little out of nowhere, I think we got into some really cool points. And I thought we, we you know, we ended up talking about a classic match in Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect. 
the uh, we're really on a roll here, boys, and we're glad to have you guys on uh, the ride with us. Wex, how you feeling about episode 100 next week, bro? I mean, the former AEW video man himself. What do you think about All Out and uh, versus this fall brawl from '96? Dude, I'm super hyped for All Out. CM Punk's first match back in seven years, and like I said, I was never like the biggest CM Punk fan before in his first run, but seeing him versus Darby Allen, like, dude. That's going to be great. And we got the, you know, the rumor that old Brian Danielson, the American Dragon, is going to be making his debut here at All Out. And, I mean, there's just a lot of anticipation here. And just like you said, that's kind of fall brawls when WCW kind of like kind of started taking that stronghold on WWF at the time. And this could be a very similar parallel. You got Steam, you got TNT, you got Turner Broadcasting. It's just... It's kind of crazy, kind of crazy how things work out. And Vince McMahon now is the opposite he, than the way he used to be. Back in the day, he changed the way he changed his normal shit so he could compete. Yeah. And now he's being stubborn and trying to just the fucking complete opposite. Yeah, I think he's trying to sell and just be done with sell. it. I think that that's got to be what it is. I he's think gonna we're sell literally, to Disney, and then I guarantee yeah. in the next ten years, Disney, Google. Amazon and Apple are going to own everything, and that's just how it's going to be. Yep. That's how it's going to be. I mean, well, oh, good old Tony Khan will still own AW, so that'll probably be good enough for us for sure. Man, it's 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 going to be crazy. we got a lot of good content on the horizon as well. The following week, uh, we're going to be covering an old TNA show. We haven't uh, covered too much of this yet, and I'm always it's always hyped to see a TNA show, especially from 2006. It's No Surrender. From TNA in 2006, going up against WWE's Clash of the Champions from 2016. This is kind of the height of the uh, the Seth Rollins era. As I, I mean, I was a big fan of the, of the Seth Rollins run in 2016. I'm hype about it, Mr. Booker Man. What do you have to add to this? Uh, no Surrender 06 versus Clash uh, 2016. I really have a great time talking TNA 06 every single time. It's kind of when they started uh, really bringing in a lot of the bigger names and trying to make a name for themselves as a company and making yeah. a really good run at it. And WWE Clash of the Champions 2016, I got to say, I always dread covering that era of WWE at first, but I'm always pleasantly surprised with the shows and the yes. quality yeah. on top and bottom. So yeah. I'm stoked. Yeah, I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped. Wex, what do you got for uh, what do you got for us, man? Where can people find you? You can find me at Wex Breaking the Lawson on all the little social medias, except for Twitter. It's just Wex Breaking the because I couldn't fit the Lawson. So she said. And yeah, we're gonna try to get some um, some more videos popping up on the Kfabecom Pod TikTok yeah. because you know. We've been active up on there, there, bro. We've been active up on there. I'm, I'm excited. I like seeing Wex's pretty face on there. I'm still bringing you the match of the week every single week. We're gonna have to get Jesse on the old Tiki Talk there too, buddy. Jesse, where can folks find you? You can find me at Jesse Baker Nash on Twitter and Instagram. You're just regular old Jesse Baker on Facebook. I love it. You can always find me at Daniel Daybreak on all the socials. You can always find the show at Kfabecom everywhere except. For Tiki Talk, and it's going to be at KFabcom Pod there. Be sure to hit the subscribe button, leave us a five star review. We are always talking about keeping things interesting for you guys. We do have the Patreon page still available. Um, it is not currently active because we, we think we might be moving into the video world a little more. It might be uh, focusing a little bit more on a YouTube presence and being up there so you can see our pretty, pretty faces. Also, today, I don't know if you noticed, but I am wearing a Kayfabe Comparisons custom trucker hat that the rest of the boys will be receiving at our all-out fiesta. Um, we might actually have 
All right, we'll definitely have, you know, next week's episode is episode 100 for sure. But there might actually be a bonus audio clip that we're going to have or a bonus video on uh, YouTube of us and our natural reactions to CM Punk versus Darby Allen as it's happening. No, we're not assholes. We're not going to show you the match as well. It's literally just going to be our faces and us reacting to what we're watching. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, if you listen to the podcast, you know that we're pretty entertaining sons of bitches and it's probably going to be pretty funny. Uh, we might be a little loosey-goosey after a couple bears there, too. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Bear, brother. <laughs> Hit that subscribe button. We'll see you guys next week. We're out. Peace. Whoop.